Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Forget the deadline! I want you to record! If we wait to record, we might still have a podcast. There's no power! If we're trying to record now, there's no audio. None! You understand? The Patreons will understand, but if the worst happens... No! You get by! If you can't download our podcast, then you fill your downloads with boring TV recaps and sign up for fantasy movie drafts. Subscribe! Do you hear? You're strong! You survive! You listen and refresh the downloads, no matter what occurs. I will record for you, no matter how long of an episode it takes. No matter how shitty the audio, I will record for you! (laughs) Oh gosh, that was rough, but it was awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Real Feels! My name is Nathan, and with my co-host I have... Drew! I'm the long carabiner. My death is a great honor to this people. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't uh, guessed, this is our war. What is it good for episode? And I have chosen 1992's The Last of the Mohicans. Drew, roll the trailer. as I imagined it would be, thinking of it in Boston. Frontier is the only land available to people. Out here, they're beholden to none. As a new land was being carved out of an untamed frontier. Just dropped in to see how you boys is doing. One man, defiantly courageous, stood his ground. I thought all our colonial scouts were in the militia. I ain't your scout. Sure ain't no damn militia. One woman, fiercely independent, followed her spirit. My father warned me about people like you. He said, do not try to understand them. Do not try to make them understand you. Thank you so much. They shared an adventure. (laughs) It was a war party. That means they're going to be attacking up and down the frontier. That took them from the edge of the wilderness. He saved us. We were alive only because of him. Are those the actions of a criminal? And into each other's hearts. Why didn't you leave when you had the chance? Because what I'm interested in is right here. You've done everything you can do! Save yourself! Stay alive, no matter what occurs! I will find you! No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Academy Award winner, Daniel Day-Lewis, Madeline Stowe. The last of the Mohicans. Okay. I will find you. 
I don't know if you guys got tired of that music. No. But I literally, after I got done watching it, put it on, like, <laughs> on the, like, nine-hour loop <laughs> on well, YouTube. There is a nine, yes, there is a nine-hour loop. No, 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 no. I've been really kind of, like, inkling to getting into buying some vinyl records. I immediately... I played Boulder's Gate to this I shit. Immediately I immediately went on to, like, Amazon and eBay, and I was trying to find, like, the vinyl... Shut up, Jack. I was, <laughs> I, was to, awesome. I was trying to talk the entire time looking at you not doing this. Um, but I was, I was trying to desperately find like a vinyl record for this. And I found one and I was like, let's put you on save. I'll come back for you. I will find you. Yeah, this uh, the main theme is uh, plays a prominent part in one of my uh, D&D background music playlists that's on my phone. As it, it should. Yeah, It's so good, though, that. And rightly so. Like you said, there's so many instances where you're like, ooh, this gets me pumped. I'm feeling this. And the reason why I picked this for my war, which, okay, let me tell you. I I don't think a lot of people would have have guessed that. No. No, I'm glad glad you did. Really glad. Going into it, I was, this was not on my, this wasn't even on my short list. This was on my second list that I made. So I had a full list of a bunch of different war films, watched five or six of them, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to do, like, Saving Private Ryan right now. I don't want to do very tip – I don't, I don't want to do The Patriot. I'm sorry. I just don't want to do a whole thing about Benjamin Martin stupid and – boy. <laughs> stupid boy. Stupid <laughs> boy. And you don't want to go, like, like over-the-top sort of depressing and, and just um, right. sort of dark, like, platoon or something like that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Or full yeah, metal like, jacket. Yeah. Or jarhead or anything. No, I, I just want I mean, to f- have for a For all real... we know, he could have had to sit down for, like, four hours. We could have been watching Gettysburg. Whew. So. <laughs> you know, there was – and there was a couple that I was like, ooh, this would be really interesting to do as my war film because it's about – like, have you ever watched a movie called Andersonville? No. Can't not say that, that I'm aware of. Very interesting movie about the Civil War, and it's about, like, the, a prison camp. Oh, the Andersonville the prison Sol- camp. Okay. Yes. Super – like it's a long, it's a kind of a longer movie, but I love. I've watched it probably seven times, and it's just weirdly like my wheelhouse. I love it. Well, yeah. I uh, <laughs> didn't pick it though. <laughs> this this movie is right up there with Hunt for the Red October, uh, Star Wars Six: The Undiscovered Country, where it's one of those movies or Alien Star Trek. Star Trek, what I say, Star Wars. Star I'm Wars. so sorry, folks. I'm so it's sorry. Okay. Oh, it's uh, okay. Where it's, it's one of those movies where if it pops up on the streaming feed or if it's on TV, it's like, boom, like, here's what I'm doing for the next two hours. I'm good to go. I don't care if I've seen it a dozen times, 50 times. We're doing this again. I'm, I'm that way with, like, Enemy at the Gates. I I mean, that movie yeah, we watched on. That, we watched that a little while ago, too, during Love the that's movie. That's a TBS special. That's, 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 <laughs> that's always that's always on. Sasha, you made me do this. <laughs> Something just about Ed Harris smoking gold cigarettes and knowing he's far too old for this shit. <laughs> and putting chocolate and bacon out that as like... Little you know, that, that's, that's actually what happened Do behind it. the scenes is Nathan was trying to figure out what he was doing. And I was just taking like white claws... And Pepsi's, and then like I put a pack of Q-tips on top of it. And you're like, okay, I'll do it. I'm watching a movie Mohicans. about the American Revolution. Maybe last the Mohicans. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> Were you just like leaving little, you know, bribery care packages out of his door? Oh gosh. <laughs> so this movie boasts an insanely good cast. Mm. 
I mean, first of all, Daniel Day Lewis, obviously, he gets his tugs. What, what, what? There you go. He's amazing. <laughs> and, and this, rightly so, he really does go all out for this film, method acting like a motherfucker, like he usually does. He, he's pretty fucking perfect in this. He, uh, he's really, yeah, just. And it, in great. fact, after doing a watch through like of, of this, I started watching There Will Be Blood Again. Uh, mm. Not all the way through. I'm taking it in little bites as you as you yeah. as one must do with that movie. But you know the cast is is amazing, and some of the background characters. Oh you no, know, Pete Postlewaite. I don't even think yeah, he has any say. dialogue. A, a two lines. A really young Jared Harris is that uh, the the one British officer that's trying to recruit them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go, probably the best little like cameo that I was like. <gasps> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! It wasn't that's Moriarty. It wasn't that's even a, it, until he spoke. I was all like, "Why do I know that face?" And then I heard him speaking. I'm like, "Oh yes!" And then another Star Trek love, Cole Meany, is in the background as a uh, Major Ambrose. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he yeah. really has much of the way of any wor- lines either, but he's no. he's there. I was like, "Oh, beam me up!" All right, let's do this. It's it's so good, and it's really just fantastic to look at. I mean, not only, of course, just the top billing for these actors. And I mean, even for people who didn't necessarily get top billing, which is a damn shame for people like Wes Studi. Oh, but he's, he's one so, of my favorites. And he's and for me, he is this movie. It's not it's not Daniel Day-Lewis, although I love Daniel Day-Lewis. And more importantly, you have people who like Russell Means, which is it was his break in film. This was mm-hmm. his first movie after years, of course, of being, you know, a Native American activist. But to take on the role of Chinj Cook and have it be his first film. Yeah. 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 And, and Uncas is, yeah. is well played by uh, Eric Schweig. But Wes Studi, I want to get back to him real quick. Get him. Like, I have a, an ex- and this kind of goes and dovetails with uh, Clancy Brown as uh, the Kurgan, uh, where I really like a well-played villain. Mm. And Magua is just played to the T by West Studi in this. And I, I was texting Drew the other night, and I was like, during my second watch through, and I was like, if if this was done by a different viewpoint from like Magua's viewpoint, he could almost be the sympathetic character. Like very he, much so. He gets you know sold into slavery by the English. His kids get murdered. His wife thinks him thinks he's dead and leaves him for another man. And he's like, this is his like revenge tale. So oh, yeah. it's compelling from both sides. Yeah, I mean, and that's the same thing I texted back to you. I was like, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's directly in comparison, or at least uh, appropriate to compare the same. But in principle, to take a villain who, in turn, is a sympathetic villain, especially for the mindset that they're going at their own actions, it's much like you can take a turnaround viewpoint of Thanos in Endgame. Like Thanos, in his own mind, he's doing it for the right reasons, yeah. at least in the portrayal yeah. of the story the, of the, the movie. Logic the, the logic is sound. The logic is sound. The antagonist could also be, in another viewpoint, the protagonist. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, comparable to the comics, it's a whole different story, mm. but I loved the change that they made for the film. But West Duty, he he delivers it so like his eyes, cold, so cold and calculated. But you can tell that it's not just like that he has no emotion; it's that he has so much emotion, and he's just suppressed it. And he's like, "No, like I've got a job to do. Like white man killed my family, not you, them. I'm gonna go get revenge. So whatever I gotta do, let's do that." He's determined, hands and, down. Go ahead. 
I was gonna say, I mean, like, he's just determined, like you're saying, like, he's so, and I know I used this word a lot, you know, last time when we talked Highlander, but he's very stoic. He, it is this very set face. There's not really a huge amount of emotions, except for when he's, you know, going into a war cry and leading the rest of his people in. But when he has to stand there and say, like, Magua had Greyhair's children under his knife. They slipped away, but he will have them again. I mean, it's so set. Like, I mean, there's no wavering in this man. He's like, I will kill him. I will wipe his seed from this earth, and he will know that it is me after I chow down on his heart. So the the next time, or if I ever get to go back to France, and I learn, like, the pocket full of phrases that you would need to get by, I would learn them and speak them as if I was Magua. Like, ah, prochain, soup de jour, Yankees. Yankees! white man, speak untruth. It's it's fucking great the way he <laughs> delivers his, his, he delivers the, the French in that I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, I doing like the second watch through, watching that scene when they are at the Huron village, listening to you know Hawkeye speak, having the colonel do colonel major whatever. Um, I think it's major. Okay, Major. Watching Duncan. Duncan. That's his name. Yeah, Major. Watching uh, the Major or listening to the Major do the translation, and then watching Hawkeye or watching um, Magua listen and then respond. The I mean, he has to speak fluent French. He has to speak fluent French, especially the Major, which might have been dubbed over. But either way, but watching the translations go back and forth because going from English to French to Huron. And, you know, oh my gosh, it's it's a marvelous scene to watch because you can see how much culture is not necessarily being represented, but is being literally jammed into a jar and then like shooken up and then watching who's going to well, crawl out first. That, that was the, the fact at the time. And, oh, very you know, much so, yeah. This was set in, I think, 1757, so we are before the Revolutionary War. This mm-hmm. is set during the French and Indian War, which is where the French and the English were basically battling for possession of North America. And they both had Indian allies. Uh, I'm sure it's called different, you know, like the Russians call World War II the Great Patriotic War. I'm sure it has different names, but for us in America, it's the French and Indian War, even though the English was fought fought between them. And you had that sort of melting pot. And uh, Drew and I were both reading the book. I haven't finished it yet. Maybe you finished listening to it, Drew. I haven't haven't had a chance to finish reading it. I'm about a third of the way through. But one of the things that they talk about in the book and that you, it's sort of a, a little viewpoint into America, the micro Cosm, the, you know, the different ethnicities, the different languages and influences that are happening. Um, and I, I feel that's a really interesting time period that is really just not touched upon but much by American cinema, except in Last of the Mohicans. I mean, there's really not a whole lot, lot, a whole lot much out there unless you get into, like, the founding of, like, the, you know, Columbus Landing or... Revolutionary War. You don't really get yeah. the French and Indian era in sort of any cinema that you can think of off the top of your head. It's not sexy. Like, because well, I think a little bit as like, well, in, in a weird way, like as Americans, we like the Revolutionary War because it's like, hell yeah, like America. Yeah. Come oh, to yeah. take the motherfucking tear away, America. <laughs> fuck it, fuck We yeah. got our independence. What you gonna do? Like, well, because I think, I think it's more to the idea that like it is something that is truly so impactful and something that is also very, very important. Not that the French and Indian War was not important, but for the Revolutionary War, this was yeah. the time that England came back and said, I'd hey, we need you now to pay for everything that uh, that we, we had to, to pay for. We're going to tax you neither, now. Neither, neither side looks rosy. 
because no. the, the English recruit these these uh, these militia coming in. I'm sorry, my Alexa is, is talking in the background. Uh, the English recruit the militia, <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, if we get attacked, and they're like, oh, well, we'll protect you. And when it comes down to that, when they get to the fort and they've described the homestead that's been attacked, he's just like, thank you, sir. Like, that'll be awesome. Very good, well, even Like, Dun- they, don't, they don't do even shit Duncan about it. Even Duncan just, like, throws down, like, mm, I didn't see nothing. It's like, oh, really, dude? Yeah. Really? So... Jesus. Any chance he had with Cora just went, Wee! like, yeah, come on. I, I do love her, like, response to him saying, like, I found you, like, a man of few favorable qualities. I love just, like, the bitch slap mm-hmm. moment that she gives Madeline him. Madeline Stowe just throws down a good, strong Cora. I don't think Major Duncan has any real likable qualities except when he sacrifices himself. He's basically Which- a dick up into that point and then he's like all right well i'll be the good guy at this point it's and i mean i think that's a little it was a little do you think that like that was a little out of character for him i don't no i don't know i, 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 I think, think maybe so. his goal you know his all along he's been in love with cora cora and yeah. he knows that you know after the debacle at the fortress You're he knows he's, he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna forge any pathfinder trails in her underbrush <laughs> And they want to kill her. So maybe, you know, that was his his last, his one shred of honor that he had left. Maybe. And, and you know that he also doesn't necessarily like Hawkeye at this point anyways, because... I think maybe he envies Hawkeye. I mean, maybe. Oh, 100%. But, but when he's... You become when he's, infatuated with him. <laughs> when he's talking to him <laughs> by the waterfall, and he says, like, I thought all our colonial scouts... We're working with this, uh, this fort or this fort. And it's like, I mean, his it, it's automatically his assumption that Hawkeye is working for the British. He doesn't ask him, like, you know, where are you from? You know, who like who commands you? He just assumes that he's already working for them, because that was the assumption that if you have a Native American in this time, in this area, if they were not, you know, obviously in the village tending to the women and children and the elderly, then they're working as scouts. So, question then. We find these white women in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> we gather Colonel Monroe's daughters in the forest. Um, so, I think the exact line that he used was, I thought England's policy was make everywhere England. I thought that England's policy, sorry, I thought that British policies make the world England. Which sounds uh, very close to make America great again. Like, it's, it's America <laughs> first, sort of. And there is a little bit of that sort of that tyrannical feel about it. I mean, his his commanding officer did, like, take a second to look up and be all like, the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a thin line between patriotism and, like, straight up like that kind of tyrannical feel i mean like you can love your country but there is that like no there is there is only you know and, England. and in the, and in like, the truce Whoa. with well, uh with with when he receives terms from the uh, marquis the french and yeah. uh they read the dispatch that they intercepted from was it colonel webb or general yes, webb it was, it was webb. coming from webb back to monroe that basically says yeah, you'll just have to deal with it on your own. Your Sorry, fucking asses in the one. We're not going to do you. shit. And he says, you know, I, I thought I've lived to see something I would never leave. 
another British officer, you know, refusing or abandoning another British officer. And so it is it is that sense of pride. It's much like back when you have Duncan saying, I never thought that I would see this, you know, watching Britain essentially negotiate with the colonists. So because if you're going to be negotiating, you're almost in a sense. Bowing, oh, yes. The you're negotiator. Bowing to their <laughs> you're, you're bowing to their whims. So, I mean, you're almost you're favoring their position. So, and, I mean, I and they say, screw that. We're just going to pl- go play some rowdy lacrosse uh, <laughs> in the background. Uh, and, but you know what? It's, they, they get down. They, I love that they're just like, all right, let's go. Let's go have some fun while we can. And uh, then we'll march uh, as soon as we have to. So I want to brush on this movie features, I think, some of the my favorite like fight style choreography. Mm. And coming off the Highlander, you know, straight up swords. But I love like the close quarters the hatchet with the the dagger and you know like catching the the upward thrust and and just the counter moves and uh chingachooks uh like like warhawk war, oh war sword you know like spiked wood does that thing have just a name? Brutal. Or it, it, do you think it, it was had just a design? spike on it because you can see it what, because coming he stabs out of Mogwa's it into him. back at the end. I think it was a specific weapon because I I know for sure for certain like the way that he was wielding it and I think I've seen it in a book before but it's meant to break bones as he you know oh, literally just like a shillelagh wrecks. just brutal oh, just uh, magnificent so you've got the the ambush in the forest great fucking fight scene good 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 uh you've got the uh the the fortress attacks so you get to see like the sort of pre-industrial siege tactics of taking down a fort which is cool you don't get to see that a whole lot I just love that they do like uh, like the math of like okay, well we have like one, two, th- three days, yeah, yeah. and like thirty yards a day, it, <laughs> and they will pound us into dust. Okay, and then, so I, got, uh, I got the name of it. It's called a gunstock club. Yeah. Literally, they took the uh, like a gunstock from a rifle and they just carved it into a war club. Oh, I could see the shape of that. And then yeah. you've got the the marksmanship with the escape scene from the fort, and they're using the the Pennsylvania uh, or Kentucky long rifles, and then. My God, that ambush against the column is one of the best fucking like scenes in cinema so in brutal. the past fifty years. Like it is out of this out of this world. Now they also so the only like kind of weird um like as much as I love it, they do lean on the score like the two like the two main kind of. Bum, 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 bum. You know, that kind yeah, it of... Does, like, it does get slightly repetitive if they hadn't thrown the fiddle in at the end, the last scene. Yes. That sort of tied that together or else it would have been like, okay, But it's still, it, it's so, so good. And I get why, like, I mean, you want to get the most out of it, but it does kind of get a little bit repetitive on some angles. But again, I love... Some of the the moments get so tense so quick, and you're like, "Oh, I mean, when when Monroe goes down, and that one Indian like goes up to him, and then Magua like just like uh-uh. pushes him aside, like, oh, 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 no, 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 <laughs> nobody touches mine. the boy. <laughs> Why will no one fight me? <laughs> or what does Rocket say in Guardians of the Galaxy? Do you see this? Monroe. This is our booty." booty. 
you want to get go to it. through me. <laughs> you gotta go through me. We're not in here with you. You're in here with us. <laughs> but the big fight scene, the big ambush after they retreat from the fort, you know, when they're trailing them through the woods and you can see their silhouettes in mm-hmm. the underbrush. And then, you know, like the the little sort of berserkers will go in from the side and just like one dude goes in and starts fucking up people. When it breaks out and you look in the background and we've looked in the background a lot of movies like uh, Once Upon a Time of the West. Like when you look at the background, there's a dude who's supposed to be digging and like just the shovels going down, but it never actually touches yeah. the dirt. There's none of that going on. Everybody in those scenes is like just fully choreographed and doing their shit. Like there's not just sort of a limp dude with his hands up and some half-hearted beating with the, the right arm. Like there's a, a fair amount going on. It's a it's an amazing scene. And I, I do love the ambush there, but more importantly, it's the tactics to not only overpower all of them, obviously coming from both sides and like flanking, but good God, let's scare the shit out of them just a little bit. Everyone war cry. Make it echo through the woods. How many of them are there? There's probably about 200. Let's make it sound like 500. And it's sort of like Braveheart, where you've got the ordered English army, but they can't respond to that sort of like they... They're in their little regiments, they turn, you know, present arms, aim, fire, but that's not how you want to fight a dozen people coming out of the underbrush ten feet in front of you. Like it's Which is I, I wish that like Duncan would have after that first like ambush that he went through, he would have said, like, hey, we're fighting a very different war here. And that also like you you would think that some of the commanding officers would have gone back to England and during the Revolutionary War said, listen, they're not going to probably fight. Like, we we have need to evolve our fighting tactics because our regiment, you know, line firing style doesn't work in brush and tree line. Like, we – it works in open field. It works yeah, when awesome. the other can, When the other side lines up a, a, a post right. to you. <laughs> But in the early 90s, we had flown out for a a two-week vacation to California, and we went to Disneyland. And I got just under – I don't know if the tree is still there, but it's the – not the castaways, but the Swiss Family Robinson tree. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to go up and walk through it and tour it. But underneath that, they had like the little gift shop, and I requested and was bought one of the toy – you know, flintlock rifles with the lock that could go back. Yes! And I remember playing in the backyard in the woods with that and doing like the Daniel Day-Lewis aiming at Magua where, you know, where he closes one eye and then he goes down on one day. Like this this movie, I probably saw it. It's rated R at a much too young age, but it's only really rated R, I think, for the viscera and like the heart. Like there's no nudity, there's no swearing. It's a lot of like, you know, uh, flailing shots like, ah! Like, yeah. you know, Wilhelm scream type deaths. It's not, oh, like, that guy got his whole head ripped off. Yeah. There is one it's, scalp it's scene, the like, George early. Lucas fire, the violence. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll just have kill robots. <laughs> All these English soldiers, stormtroopers. They can't hit anything. <laughs> uh, sadly, Jodie May, who plays Alice, um, I guess she said that, like, a lot of her, their scenes got cut for Alice because Alice originally was a much more, like predominant role and, and she's in the book too and it's very telling that they must have reduced her role a lot because her character feels very 
watered down. Well, and I think it's, the first cut was like three hours and change long. Yeah, he had. Yeah, man had to take it down. Uh, well, you really don't even have their love story between Alice and Uncas. Like, and you, but you can. It's it's, and it's, it's, good it's implied. It's but, a, it's very heavily implied. Lightly, it's lightly implied. But you know that there is something so much more there of the importance of why Uncas would literally almost sacrifice his life to go after her. And you're thinking, like, why? Because they had a moment underneath the waterfall? But I love that scene where he's watching her being led away and he just... Like, him and his dad have Overwatch on the camp, and he just puts a hand on his dad's shoulder and yes. gives him that, like, yeah. I gotta do this. Um, and that is a heartbreaking scene, but again, it's just, it's it's gorgeous in every sense. In every sense. So, I think we were about to get into the finale, weren't we? Okay. We, yeah, sure. we, we can. Was there anything else that uh, anyone wanted to talk about? Scenery? Music? Well, I... I think we need to at least cover the finale. Oh, Maybe a well, couple no, other, defi- couple no other definitely. Yeah. You know what? I'll cover scenery when we get to that segment because I have yeah. a few things to say. Well, I one also thing that I, I like the representation of the like the militia and just even in the beginning, real quick, they, there their was that connection, there, their connection with that family, like it's on like another level where they are basically like just family he's like oh like you're making me old like you know they're they're like playing with the kids and sharing food and it's they're very very uh symbiotic with these white people and and it seems like Um, they hadn't seen each other for a while too because i mean you know hawkeye even said like oh another year has passed i mean i took that as like oh look they've been traveling up and down hunting this is the time that they come by to say hi every year i mean if it if it had been a year either way I mean, it's a good, you're right, it's a good cohesive relationship, and it's it's honest, it's open. And and the, the family that they they had supper with and they visited, you know, you could tell they had visited them many times. And, yeah. you know, there was even an intimacy a little bit, you know, with Uncas, because he'd probably grown up near them. The, the woman sort of had a motherly vibe towards him. Mm-hmm. And sort of the stoicism from their end were, you know, he, he didn't come out and it, it's sort of like the YouTube culture, like, no, I knew them. We had dinner with them a week ago. That's fucking Jan. Like blah blah blah. He's just like no. Like these these were no strangers. You know they stay where they lay. And then that sort of which yeah, probably on. killed him. Like oh, yeah. that probably just like wrecked him more than she ever knew. Of like no 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 no. I know these people and I can't even give them a dis- decent burial because they'll know that we came through because this way. he didn't know her or them. And that's part of you know. That time and, and even maybe him being raised in the Indian culture where I don't know you. I'm not going to share my emotional outlook with you. I'm going to remain stone cold and I'm going to have those emotions in private where I think we've kind of lost that. Where everything is just like, you know, social media and YouTube is like, here are all of my emotions. Yeah. They – and even at the end, which I think that's the the – appropriate step next next to take you get into that emotion at the very 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 end but the finale let's jump into it the like greatest ramp up to because i okay this and this may have been one of the biggest reasons why i chose this film because this gets me every time i get so amped when first of all 
dad just watches his son like take down a couple Hurons and then and then dies fighting for the one he loves. Does he oh. does he see him take them down or does I thought he rounded the corner right as oh, that's true. Right, that's yeah, true. right as Uncas was getting uh yeah, he rounded the corner right as Magua is slitting the throat. Face. Oh my god, I've never, I don't think I've ever really like watched a movie where someone is, I mean, obviously so violently like cutting the throat of the individual, but then have like the blood spurt make the actor go, oh, oh, okay. Well, oh, okay. and the look that Uncas gives Magua oh, after that first pass where he give like he basically like, that was the opening salvo and whatever happens after this, like yeah. you're going to win. It's sort of that, oh, well, fuck. Imagine, if you will, Mr. Graham, taking a dull blade. <laughs> but he didn't, but Magua, he didn't rush to finish it. Mm. And I don't know if that's extending his own pleasure. I sort of think it's because he, this is fair play. I'm going to let you get to your feet and make your next attempt. 100%. And, and it, like that kind of, uh, I want, like, I want this These to be just as much as you. a good fight, you know, I'm just <laughs> not going to like fucking bash your skull in and, and kick you off the this cliffside. And then when Cora comes around the corner mm. and sees Al- just Alice going down and the, you don't hear the scream, you just see her scream against the score. And honestly, that little fiddle lick that's in the score at the end it's almost like like a snake charmer on my dick like it's just like all right we're going oh two muskets double fisted let's do this you've got iron man and captain america using their shield and like working together doing the double doing the double muskets best thing ever oh my gosh i I think it's a very effective use i can pick up thor's hammer i knew it Monier. (laughs) that's it's just such a great moment because they're just both running and gunning and i love when daniel d lewis shoots one here on and then like kind of has his gun on the other one that that here on's like "Mm, i'm good i ain't gonna try nothing (laughs) looting looting the guns the unshot guns off the people that he ambushes like just it's it's fucking perfect. Player two has entered the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> and but then you get the you get the duel. You get the one of the best, quickest, but just mm, moments. The best part about that duel is I think on everybody's first watch, I can't even remember mine barely, but you sort of maybe thought in your mind that it was gonna be Daniel Day Lewis versus Magua. But no, Papa don't preach. He's coming <laughs> to fucking revenge, avenge his son. And when you see it's Chingachuk that's going for it, it's like, and, and Daniel Day Lewis just steps back and holds the other Indians at bay with his guns. Oh, oh God, it's so good. I think it's better that it is Chingachuk. I, I think it's better no, and it's not perfect. Daniel Day Lewis. That's what makes this movie so perfect. Hmm. And when he does just his opening move is not him like trying to like wind up to swing and hit, which Mogwa I think is like kind of thinking, oh yeah, like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna take this old man out right here right now, and he ducks because Mogwa used rolls. like his his tactics against Uncas signature, and so he's like, oh well, you know, like father like son, and uh, Chinkachuk is like, yeah, I'm gonna f- I'm gonna throw this guy a fucking uh, a spitball. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Oh, is that your elbow? Crack. Uh, is that your shoulder? And, and the Broken. same look from Magua that Uncas gave to Magua, Magua mm. gave to Chingachuk like that. Oh, fuck. Right. You no, got and then, me. 
And then he's allowed to like, you know, stand up straight at least as much as he could. And then it's the wind up and a home run. <laughs> there's two there's two eye movements from obviously the two. I mean, West Duty and with Russell Means, their eyes do so the much best talking. acting. Pr- mm-hmm. So much talking. So when Magua, like if you watch if you ever, if you just watch that clip again. There's a part where Magua, like, he's just beat to crap, and he knows that he's lost, and he looks at him, and then he looks kind of, like, just real quick down at his weapon, and is like, is that what you're going to use? Like, are you going to are you gonna finish me off with that, or are you going to just, like, push me off the edge? What are you going to do? And Chingachuk just, like, shakes his head like, yeah, this is all because you killed my son. Mm-hmm. We would have been totally fine. I would never have had to see you ever again, but you brought the fight to my doorstep, and this, this ain't going to happen. He was last of the Mohicans, and guess what? You're the last of you. Get the fuck oh. out of town. <laughs> uh, what if Magua just said, perfect. They're all perfect. <laughs> This uh, death belongs to the soldier who <laughs> the older ways have joined the new. The new. Oh, uh, and, but I also uh, like the portrayal of the different, you know, the, because there were there was no one type of American Indian. It was a vast mm. amount of different tribes, and I liked how they delineated in each tribe had their own special style. I liked how the the Mohicans had like those like fucking those blue shirts on. Like, yeah. those are fucking sexy. And I think at, at one point, uh, Major Duncan says, like, oh, well, the scout, we've got a Mohawk scout. And uh, um, Hawkeye just says, no, that's no Mohawk. That's a Huron. Like, <laughs> we, we know what's going on around here. I mean, over 900 Native Americans took part in the film itself. And even with the dialects being used in the film back and forth, even with like Russell Means and Wes Studi, during the filming, they each spoke in their own native tongue. So no one was necessarily... Which were different, yeah. Yeah, which were very different and no one was necessarily understanding what they were saying. They just knew like, okay, is his line over? Okay, I can start with mine. Because <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure that Uncas's character was um, uh, a native Alaskan, uh, Inuit or uh, Askabathan. I don't want to say yes because I'm not. I'll sign up. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but um, it was just uh, just a standout. He gave Alice an Eskimo kiss. No. Right there. No, Aww, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, all right. Down, down at the bottom Aww. of the rock. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, okay. Right, right before <laughs> Alice, you know, decided to you know play free falling. I love. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a Tom Petty oh, reference? Wow. Maybe. No, it's a way <laughs> free falling because I'm free, free oh. falling. Okay. I do love, I mean, obviously, like, that's that famous scene, that hand that, like, come here, come here, when she's about to jump. It's when she does and goes, you know, for a dive and he just turns around and, and kind of, like, does that, like, huh, huh, and walks away. <laughs> it's the indifference. It's all, like, okay, all right, well, I was going to kill I, you anyways, but thanks. I don't think that Magua would have thought that this, that she would have jumped. That this white girl had it in her to do Probably not. something like that. Probably not. But, I mean, I, I think his plan at this point was to kill her anyways, despite the fact of, like, no, the old I chief think he before. Was, I think he well, was going to, I think he was going to till that soil. I think he was going to lay no, some seeds. I don't think so, because, I mean, in the, in the village, the uh. old chief said, okay, we will keep, or sorry, we'll, we'll burn the brunette. You keep the young ones so the colonel's seed does not perish. You can take her as a wife. And then when he basically found out, like, 
okay, well, this is not my plan. Screw you, old man. You're old and weak. I'm going to take my oh, people yeah, and go yeah, Look at the flip side of that, Drew. If if his end game was killing Alice, why beckon her back? You know, unless unless so he could have the satisfaction of kill doing her it. to get a boner. Uh, she's her, her. Her. she's still wiped <laughs> off. You know, it's his, a clean well, slate. Okay. I mean, his whole it's thing, not the, clean the entire you wanted, movie, it's a clean slate you got. Okay, but like his whole thing, the entire movie was like Magua will have his daughters under his knife. Yeah, but dead is dead. Like, no, I right. No, jumping I understand. Jumping off a cliff is is just as you know. He right, maybe, he and I think that's why his his slip. face of like, huh, okay, and then he turns around and leaves. The indifference and doesn't matter to me. She's I dead. Think that he was going to take her as wife. Like that ended up being the only silver lining he could take out of the whole story. Oh mm. God, what a horrible like life yeah. for Al- and and probably that's another reason why Alice was just like, Psh. and plus you yeah, know Alice. She did things for me in my my youth. <laughs> oh, you know, those okay. doe eyes, you know, Magua. She was that. If Alice is not that, enough to get Magua's <laughs> heart pumping, I don't know what is. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Two last things I wanted to talk about before we go into segments. One, Fast and Furious canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> they the powder is soaking wet. <laughs> Like, they, like, nitrosauside just those canoes so fast to the point where when Uncas jumps out of one and gets in the next one, like, spoiler alert, that's impossible to be doing that at those speeds. Not like, only those speeds, but the material that those canoes are crafted out of, that's wood and skin. Right. Like, there's... I don't. And he's like, just, like, hopping. Yes, they are strong and flexible, but they're not meant to be jumped into. Maybe like and Duncan's still Duncan's still like trying to line up shots against him. But at this right. point, you're like Duncan, like get with the fucking program here, buddy. Pull the canoe over. <laughs> you shit your or honor back out the there in the meadow where Bro got more. his heart cut out. Like just follow the others here. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, and then the the other thing that I want to talk about is right before they're getting into the canoes. They're like, and it's like kind of like foggy. No, it's sorry. This is um back when like the whole like ambush is happening. The first ambush, and no, uh, so it's the second one. Okay. So it would be right before they're get- they're getting into the canoes to like do the Fast and Furious canoeing. Okay, but there's a there's a Mohican that's with them, and I was like, oh no, that's the third last of the Mohican <laughs> that dies because he gets shot. Like, and I was like, wait a minute, when does this guy die? And he gets shot, like, right as they're about to get in the boat. And Uncas is, like, holding him in the water, like, no, no, don't go. And, like, he dies. You're like, oh, (laughs) there was the third Mohican. Oh, my. Like, I got to see the third, the second, and now the last. It's a match set, Nathan. It's a match (laughs) set. Their playset. It comes as a whole. (laughs) It comes in pints. Jesus. Are you guys ready for segments? Yes, uh, but I've had... uh, I've had first Mohican, yes, but I haven't had <laughs> second sick. Mohican. Does he know about them? <laughs> okay. Segments. All right. For our first segment day, watch your step, but the view is killer. Uncas and Alice decide to conclude their journey in a scenic vista with beautiful waterfalls and surrounded by forests beneath them. Truly breathtaking. Describe a real-life location in nature that you find worthy of taking the, the dirt nap. Or, in their case, the rock nap. I'll go first. So, um, what was it? I think two years ago, Anna and I got the opportunity to go to Maui. And one of the excursions that was offered was, you know, you wake up at 
2.30 in the morning and a bus picks you up. And then it goes to all the other surrounding hotels and fills up. And then it drives you slowly but surely to the peak of Haleakala which is the dormant volcano in Maui. And it's at about 10,000 feet where you end up going. And I had very low expectations. Like, I thought it would be pretty cool. But you get up there and you watch the sunrise. And there's there's a, a number of factors going into this. One, uh, I think we went to bed at 11 and got up at 2. So, you're sort of that punch drunk from getting, like, minimal sleep the night before. Uh, the second one is, at 10,000 feet, everybody who's not acclimated to that is experiencing mild hypoxia. And mild hypoxia kind of makes you feel like you're a little bit high or you've had maybe four or five beers. And so, we get there and the sun is is about to peak over the lip of this this volcano. And the, uh, the, the native Hawaiians that that do this tour, start doing this chant, and you're sort of punch drunk from this and hypoxic, and the sun comes up over the lip of the, of the, the volcano, I cried like a baby. I just I imagine think, it real quick as like, yeah, win, yeah, no, exactly. Win, exactly. And, and like, <laughs> it comes over and it, it reveals the volcanic, like the crater, the bowl of the volcano. And one of the, the native species that's only found in one place on earth in this volcano are called silver swords. And it's like a little cactus that grows up. that's very skinny that it almost twinkles like silver. Like it's got almost a metallic outside and it's like looking into another world. There's nowhere on earth I've been like wow. it. It's like you're on another planet and you're above the cloud line. So you're looking down almost like you're on top of Olympus at this landscape. So that, that's, that's mine. That's, it was fucking amazing. For, for me, this location is almost less vista, like breathtaking. It's more like, I, I would almost call it spiritual. So up right, in, yeah. up in the high country. Uh, which is kind of past like Boron and in between. It's like this part of this mountain range from Ridgecrest and uh, like, in Boron, Boron. You're going to a good stargazing territory. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, so this is up in a place called Smith Meadow, which our family goes up there once in a while. We're friends with the, the Smith family and they own this meadow up in Forest Service land. They actually are one of the few families that still own like land. Private land. Yeah. Mm. So there's a small little cabin, which um, I don't even know if we have access to that, but like there's like a, an old school cowboy like cook area. They have a and they just it's right next to the meadow and a little ways down in the meadow is my favorite spot probably in this world. And it's it's so stupid. It's it's a freshwater spring where they built just like a a concrete like cylinder up so it can fill up with this fresh like crystal water. I've probably talked about it a million times. I don't care, but it's, there's something so amazing about it that every time we go up there, I like run to it. It's to better than Nathan shower water. Oh, oh, it's Nathan shower water times 10. And I go, I drink from it. And then I just look around at the meadow around. And I just like, I feel probably soak I soak it in there's nothing closer, I think, to God that I feel right there. It It's weird, but it's just the most, like, in tune I ever am in life. And so it's – that is where – if I could, I'd probably, you know, lay down for the dirt right dirt. – 
I'd probably contaminate the water, which wouldn't be good, but, you know. And if I may interject for a moment, mm-hmm. and I think that dovetails back to the movie where they are about to get ambushed by the French and the Indians, but they're in the burial land, and then he goes on that whole explanation of sort of that people's... The sun, yeah, or the you know, moon, the, the, and, you know, yeah. and he made the souls out of the land and sent them to the... the mm-hmm. you know, Everybody has their own sense, I think, of spirituality, and I think that's as good as any, really. Uh, and just experiencing yeah. that out in nature is, is frankly, awesome, would be the correct word. But true, I, I love it, true. So mine, it's it's a little different. It's it's not exactly a place in nature, but I, I, I couldn't think of any place that, I don't know, kind of like adds up to this experience. So in 2009, I went to Paris and going to Paris and going to the top of the Eiffel Tower at night and just looking over the city. It's breathtaking. It's so, so beautiful to see all of the lights. You can see new, you can see, you know, literally Paris off in the distance. You can see old Paris. You can also see like the highest point in Paris, which is Sacre Coeur, which is a uh, beautiful church. Sacre Bleu? Sacre Coeur. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I mean, the top of, I mean, literally I mean, as cliche as it is to go and visit, but the top of the Eiffel Tower late at night, it's, it was blistering cold. It was in December when we went, but it was just, it was so beautiful and so breathtaking just to stand there and just to look out at everything. I mean, you're so high up, you get a grand view. I mean, it was it was damn near perfect. I like that. Nice. I like that. Well played. All right. Second segment is tight weave. No silk. Another forty yards. <laughs> Nathan, you go <laughs> first on like- this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So getting the couriers uh, through in this battle of uh, it's kind of like the battle of Hoth. <laughs> Uh, with some well-placed <laughs> ion shots. Activate ion love control. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the first transport is away. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched that movie too, too many times. times. I feel like I take out the old empire myself. <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, okay, so obviously the experience with both of these two top-tier marksmen goes with the tools that they are not typically using, but it gives them the edge that they need to get the couriers through. What is a tool or insider knowledge that you've used to beat out your competition or workplace problems? So my when I was a raft guide, as a raft guide, you have your own paddle and your type of paddle really kind of depends on what you're comfortable with. If you go with a very, very small, like, wooden paddle, that's a little bit more for... You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> it's it's a little bit more for, like, agile, and you're trying to rely on... It's um, the rogue's paddle. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, what, uh, it's what certain people go with. But my paddle was an oversized paddle, and I, I spray painted the uh the irish flag on it and i love i loved that paddle it was awesome but it was super big but because i was a bigger skin i was pretty skinny back then my god but i was just i was tall and i was pretty athletic i could wield it very well and i would get way more power in each one of the strokes that i would do and i would compensate for people that weren't pulling their weight and I would position people accordingly. I'd be like, hey, you move over here. So that way, because I knew uh, this girl or this guy, you know, they're they're not really able to paddle very well. So I'm going to compensate for them by using my 
just mega ore and other people would like they lift it up and be like oh like i cannot lift this grow stronger you know it a little 13th warrior uh, but <laughs> it was really cool to like be able to wield this mighty excalibur and it put me ahead on a lot of situations where i needed extra power to get out of a rapid and i had that that extra lunge two things i see you with this paddle over your shoulder but it's like a Final Fantasy where the paddle is like larger like than your sword? entire body. <laughs> Just ridiculous. And uh, second, I could see you sitting around a fire with the paddle in front of you like you're sanding it a little bit. And uh, some girl comes up and touches the Irish, Irish flag and goes, Did God paint you? <laughs> Did God paint me? <laughs> All of us wonders diversity. <laughs> Lottie. <laughs> True. What about you? So I would honestly say that, and I mean, most of my things are going to revert back to teaching, obviously. But with my knowledge and background, like with theater, I think it gives me a particular edge in order to get into character. If I need to, you know, take on a persona, if it's in a story, if I have to, you know, imitate an accent for kids while we're reading through, but also like my own knowledge of, you know, stage and also like different plays going through various altercations of, you know, what can happen in a drama, the conflict. This is this kind of stuff explaining it because much like for kids, not many kids are going to get it if you just like give them, you know, a verbal answer. Like a lot of kids learn through visual cues. So if you can act something out or if you can give them a visual representation, I think also like my pop culture knowledge gives me uh, like a huge edge in explaining things to kids. So if I can pull up a reference from a movie and show them, I'm like that. That's what jealousy looks like. Or this is hatred. I mean, Darmok and Jalal at Tanagra. I, I'm not joking. I use that. <laughs> I, I know, I, that's I, why oh, okay. I said it. I was going to say, like, I showed that episode. But, I mean, it's theater and pop culture knowledge, I think, is so crucial in my teaching because it allows the kids to get a visual visual reference, which is, it, it is their generation, okay? They have to have, have, like, immediate gratification. It's what they understand from, you know, going online and watching TV so much. So it kind of fits in and it's perfect. And I... I genuinely enjoy it, and I can't even tell you how many kids every single year, like, I turn on to various movies or TV shows, so it's it's a good payoff. Well, it gives, you know, you're able to direct something that they already know or at least can identify with to right. bring that over to the text that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm... <laughs> One thing I love, like showing uh, different types of conflict, I love showing like internal conflict and I show the scene with Gollum going, no, no, not listening, not listening. I think you should switch no. it up. Go with Dark Man. <laughs> take the fucking rabbit. <laughs> Just five oh, bucks. Take the fucking elephant. <laughs> take the fucking elephant. <laughs> my head. My head, my head. Oh, oh, my head. oh Jesus. All right. Um, I guess that leaves me. It does. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say it like Mago would. Uh, sous vide. And it's sous vide. S-O-U-S space V-I-D-E. And it's a method of cooking. It's immersion cooking. So mm -hmm. you take, you can take a lot of things, but generally you take a cut of meat and you seal it in a bag and you immerse it in water with an immersion circulator, which are usually sticks these days. And you set the temperature that it will bring the water up to. 
So you can cook a steak or chicken or whatever to the exact temperature you want. So if you want a a medium rare steak, uh, you can set it at about 125, which is really rare, and just let it go for a couple hours. And it's sealed in there usually with some fresh herbs, some garlic, some butter, and then you take it out and you finish it on a grill or under the broiler and you, you put that crust on it. And so... You get the crunchiness of the crust or the exterior, and then you get the perfectly cooked through medium rare all the way. Or chicken breast is very hard to cook. Or overcooking a pork tenderloin ends up with with bad results. But when you control the temperature and then you finish it off, you end up with perfectly tender bites of meat that often is infused with whatever marinade that you put there in the bag with it. So when people come over and like, oh my god... Or Ed is like, oh my god, what, what did you do with this? He's like, yeah, you know, it's it's sous vide, like that's how it, that's how it happens. So that's my ace that's in the hole. It, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's my ace in the hole. Sometimes <laughs> with cooking protein, is it gives you that control. And Anna said one time, like, oh, I thought you it was only going to have to go for two hours. I was like, well, it's at it's at like one twenty five. Like it's not going to overcook. Like it's <laughs> it's good there. Good to go. Yeah, sear that off. You're. Good to go, man. But yeah, sous vide. Uh, I, I am a, a big believer in that. It's it's wonderful. Good weekend cooking. I like it. All right, for the final segment, villain dies. The rest of us cry. The final battle goes down, and it's a great moment of revenge and closure. The eulogy, the send off, is a parental heart wrench, and is honestly pretty badass because somehow he does not cry at all. For this segment, you have the choice of name another epic parent revenge fight that you love and that just gets you totally pumped up, or name another death eulogy this or send off that makes you chop onions. If I go really quickly, could I do both? Yeah, you can do both. I did a little little mishmash. Let's do both. We'll do both. For for the parent revenge, I'm not going to go with one which I'm almost certain either you or more definitely Jack has, but I'm going to go with a little bit of a twist. I absolutely love Molly Weasley at the bottle at at the Battle of Hogwarts going up against Bellatrix Lestrange and just yep. going, get away from my daughter, you bitch. You bitch. Oh, get away so from her, you bitch! <laughs> and then blowing her up. I mean, it's not exactly a revenge thing. I mean, it wasn't that split second where she was, where she immediately sees Bellatrix going after her kids and she's all like, oh, hell no. Mama bear mode. So. And in the books, too. It goes you, in you with the whole, it. like, Bellatrix is pure blood and the Weasleys are, are muggle. Are, no, she, Weasleys, the, are, Weasleys are pure blood. Oh, are they? Well, then never mind. That whole whole thing is... Bellatrix just... She wants to kill anyone. Bellatrix is crazy. She is a cray-cray bitch. And, I, so, and also, like, uh, Hermione Granger uh, playing herself... Or what's her name? The actress? Not Emma Hermione Watson. Granger. Oh, Emma Watson? Uh, no, 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 no. The original one. Uh, Bellatrix? Oh, um, Helena Bonham Carter. When so. she's playing Hermione Granger, playing her, playing Bellatrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the bang scene. I, yeah. I fucking love that scene. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's, go ahead. It's me, Bellatrix Lestrange. Of course it is. <laughs> so if we're going to go for a scene that definitely, like, God, it just, ma- it's the only movie scene that I can remember distinctly that made me, like, almost ugly cry. And it might have been at the time that it w- that it came out, but it's the ending scene in Pay It Forward. The ending, the ending scene, which... And if you haven't seen Pay It Forward, I don't care. Spoilers. It's it, when they have the eulogy for Haley Joel Osment's character after he dies from the stabbing. 
man, just watching him lead Helen Hunt out and just have the droves and droves of people. And you can see as the camera pans back, the cars that are coming to line up at this eulogy. It's so heart-wrenching. And it, I, I mean, like, it broke me the first time I saw that. I mean, I, I literally just, I, I fucking sobbed. And I mean, I can't necessarily as remember that movie when. is is apt to do. Yeah, it's oh, man. Yeah, so the ending eulogy scene, literally for uh, for pay it forward. All right, Jack. What about you? So I've got a couple. Uh, I've got a parent revenge fight that dovetails into a eulogy. Oh, and that is, and it got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt, but it's uh, Evie. And V from V from Brendena. And oh, the revenge okay. fight is that last fight that he goes to where he takes out the worm disgusting. The uh the leader of the the finger people, the fingermen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing fucking fight. Where he's taking down like, you know, the the the, the, the most brutal aspect of the regime. It goes back to Evie and uh He's kind of like Evie's parent because he brought her into this whole anarchy or not so much anarchy, but question the government role. And then he dies and she puts him on the train and she's about to send him off and the inspector comes along and he pulls a gun on her and he's like, don't do it or I'll shoot. And she's just like, you can shoot or not, but I'm pulling this lever. And then that last scene, just like yours with Pay It Back, Drew, always makes me sob a little bit where... The fireworks are going off and the concerto or the, the 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 music, the classical music is going on and they brush on all the people that they touched on in the movie, like the lesbian couple that he found the toilet paper, you know, like memory from that he gave to Evie. Like you see all these people and it just it always brings it back. Like I love that. I love that. That so that's the 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 two together. And for uh, the um, eulogy, I've got to go with Wrath of Khan when Spock I dies. I knew it. I knew it. Out of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his was the most human. human. Gets me every time. Like I, I may not squirt some tears, but I'm just on the verge. Like, <sighs> but those words are are so heavy. Like, when you really, like, calculate it down and, like, for someone to have traveled all over the galaxy and to find someone that is not like him, but is the most like him. He's, your, it, he's your best friend. And, yeah. And it, it it's loaded from the scene before when Spock dies. Like, people who are like, oh, Star Trek is just for nerds. God, some of the emotions that are that are brought out by some of these episodes. When Spock is in there, he saved the ship. He's dying of radiation poisoning, and he, they both have their hand up. And yeah. and Spock's only really thought is, did I did I do it? Did I save the ship? And there's you know, you know the the needs of the many outweigh the few. Like, and then you go into that eulogy. Mm, gets me every time. It's beautiful. It's much like when Data sacrifices himself. To save the Enterprise. I mean, that's his final act of, like, literally, um, I mean, earning his humanity, damn it. Yeah. It's... You know, so, the, the Boromir fight, the, the robot sacrifice, or when uh, you know, Tars sacrifices himself to the black hole, and, yep. you know... So this is why I... Tr- together. 
I tried not to do mechanical deaths on this one. Just like I tried to go, okay, no, because there's so in it. We already talked about them before in an earlier episode. And there's so many that are mm-hmm. so strong where you're like, wait, wh- why am I, why am I crying? I'll see you on the other side, slick. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's hard. It's hard. Okay. So, okay. The two that I've got. Well, we got a little bit more than that, but we'll we'll go with it. All right. So, for parent revenge fight, and this is kind of weird because it's not it's not as like, you know, Weasley or or even like really like Patriot where it's like my sons were better men or nothing like that. So, in Hook, stitch when, me together with this. When Hook in when uh Robin Williams um like offered so like he's fighting Hook who is kind of like trying to be like trying to be the better dad to Jack like in a lot of we there's a lot of weird They're like so- fighting over Jack's soul. Right. Yeah, of, and like and because like, he knows stealing Jack would be the ultimate thing to take from Peter, and Jack's there with his like Commodore pirate cap, like, and it's it's there's a whole lot of levels on Hook that if you go really deep with it about like how Peter pa- how Robin Williams character changes and his son has to take time to like to see that and actually see that he cares about him from once he you know where he came where he's like eh, like you know everyone just shut up I'm trying the phone call of my life like there's this weird moment where because like they're all following him around and when he knocks down Dustin Hoffman's character you know Hook and he reaches out his arm and Hook just drags the hook across his arm and Jack like snaps and it's like no like, that's my dad. And as soon as Robin Williams says it, now we end this. Let me I... look on you with my, <laughs> my own, own eyes. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so that, so that you're, you're already spoiling my. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I got extra, I got extras. But that was just, I think, one of the coolest parent battle scenes of someone who doesn't have a kid, who's someone who that is my flesh and blood, and I'll die for him. It just the fight. I love that parent battle. So there's there's Hook. Now, as far as like eulogy of you know saying goodbye because you could easily like talk about show the jedi of that's a great parent scene of you know no that's my kid like quit quit killing him and but that end where he dies uh and he's dying and just even though it's a little bit cheating but he's like no i've got to save you and he's like you already have like it's still in it it's weird because it doesn't make me like cry cry but i just when you're a parent you just are like holy shit is it petty that I I hate that they in the modern releases of the the Blu-ray of uh, Return of the Jedi that they replaced yes the old Anakin yes. actor with Hayden Christensen absolute yeah. bullshit absolute I bullshit no, I agree with you one hundred percent I love that scene on the Death Star but also my honorable mention slash like tied is the death of Boromir. Mm. And always that always gets a a, that gets a tear every time because he first of all he's so sad that he like scared Frodo off and he's like I I failed I tried to take the ring I I was not as good as you and and Aragon's like hey just just chill it's all good and for him to like just have this this bro moment with him like. Dude, we could have been we could have been really good rulers. And you know what? I would have looked at you as my king. Which ah, gets me every time. My king. Oh, it's, a, it's a powerful moment. Always gives me a boner. Always. 
Uh, Love it. I am super surprised that none of you, and I almost thought it was going to be Jack. I actually had it down to two Gladiator. of you, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, it, it was... It I was thought, right there. It was, little, it, was, it was there, but... I got know, a little too on the nose. You know, we've done a lot of these segments, and, uh, you know, you, you try to vie for originality with segments, mm-hmm. uh, and to elicit different responses from each other. So, I think... And, and that goes with your, your movie picks, like, you've got to defer to the feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Every time. Gladiator has those moments, but I'm telling and you. Th- and I think Jack makes a good point. It, it it shouldn't just be like the obvious or like the best pick. It it definitely should be sticking to the feels. I 100% agree. To you, to me, like what is that oomph? Yeah. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, let's bring it back up from that sad, sour <laughs> note. And, We're doing uh, the Patreon? <laughs> let's talk about the Patreon exclusive, All Jack. Right. Take so, it away. So uh, this Patreon exclusive doesn't have a, uh, a dollar cost. Other than you pay your own way. And uh, this is the uh, Heading East to Kentucky uh, segment. Are you gentlemen familiar with the term cabrewing? No. So, I know kablamo, kablam. No, so <laughs> you go canoeing, but when you bring a bunch of coolers of beer, you go cabrewing. <laughs> oh, oh kind of like how people, you know, lazy boy down a river and they... Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and this would not take place on one of Nathan's rivers. Uh, no, this would no, take place on the Maya Drew rivers. and I know very well that this happens all the time. <laughs> we call them this, Kmart coffins. This lowers coffins. the fatalities greatly. Yes. So, yes, so in, the, in the Midwest, we, we don't really have uh, rushing rapids because there's no fucking elevation. Uh, so everything is pretty lazy and pretty sedate. So you can go for an 8 or 10 hour canoe trip. You know, if, oh you, if you can't go canoeing, you can go for an eight-hour canoe trip where basically you park at the end point and they have a van that drags canoes behind it and they drive your ass down to the eight or ten mark, mile hour mark point and throw your ass in the river. And they play a little safety video that says alcohol is strictly prohibited on the river, but nobody looks in your, your, your uh, cooler. Nobody ever looks in your cooler. Please don't in, drown. In fact, the the guide says afterwards, like, this trash can over here is for the trash I don't need to see. <laughs> and so you start out at like, you know, seven, eight in the morning, going down the river, having some beers, and then you make stops along the way. Because it's not the mileage that you go, it's the hours that you have. And you stop and you have breakfast. You know, we would stop and uh, get uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and have cold Kentucky Fried Chicken for breakfast. (laughs) What? Drink beer and then go down and then you'd stop around noon and you'd have lunch and uh, and, and buy a swimming hole. Swimming hole. Cool off. Go for a swim. Have some lunch. Some sandwiches. Have some beers. And then go on. And this Patreon special would include at the end... Like a nice big like frontier style meat ripe off the bone sort of mm. a dinner roasted potatoes and veggies you know over the fire uh, and just have a nice sunny outing uh, with a little alcohol and plenty of sunscreen mm. on a nice lazy river. So this is heading east to Kentucky. I love it. Sounds great. Uh, sign me up already. That's <laughs> well. You said eight to ten hours though. That's a little like okay. Well, uh, it's a it. It's not the distance again. It's it's the it's the, the motion. That, like if you want to just paddle the entire fucking time, you could do it in five or six. But it's oh, about okay. stopping, having lunch, going for a swim. You know, just doing your own thing. Like 
the worst thing you're to run along is like if a tree fell over and you have to portage over the tree or something like that. <laughs> like there's, you know, we're not getting up to high speeds here. Yeah. I love it though. Any forward it. motion is 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 ninety percent you. Well, what would you guys rate this uh this masterpiece, Drew? So I would give Last of the Mohicans four out of five stubborn kernel or stubborn kernels. <laughs> okay, Jack. What about you? I think in the uh, the scene where they send the messenger out, I think they kill a total of four people that pursue them. Mm-hmm. I would give it a solid four out of four, you know, sniper shots. Like, this movie, it's one of my favorites. Like, you could not have picked a more dear movie to my heart. I Whoa, love okay. this movie every time. I have not found any fault with it after watches over the past christ 30 years uh four out of five or four out of four sniper shots okay if colonel monroe was my time and attention i would offer him terms of surrender nine times out of ten i would i i love this movie i am i am happy to take his fort and and watch this movie as much as I can, from one gentleman officer to the uh, the next, I bow. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me doing the French bow. <laughs> it's so crazy. But and Moreau's just like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a soldier. <laughs> I'm a Scottish soldier. <laughs> no need for bowing, girls. What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised we didn't do more Braveheart references in this with with Monroe. But oh. again, uh, so we <laughs> all. I can muster one. Uh, the militia costs nothing. Indians <laughs> cost money. The militia send them, costs nothing. Send the, send the Mohawks. <laughs> uh, I am skilled in the arts of uh, talking to Cora and military tactics, sire. <laughs> no. Um, so anyways, uh, J- Drew, where, where can they uh, reach out to us to let us know how much they love and Last before that, I'm going to declare the rights of a <laughs> prima doctor with Alice. With Alice, <laughs> you're infatuated. Before, before the Indian takes her into her his bedchamber, I will bless the marriage. No, okay. Well, yes, if the Yankees were here, they'd they'd immolate the English with fireballs out of their arse. This is my fort. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, you know, guys, you can always find us up on Facebook and over at Twitter. Just search for The Real Feels Podcast. Over at Twitter, we are at Real Feels Pod. You can send us an email at realfeelspodcast at gmail.com. Search for us anywhere that you want to find us on your podcatchers. And, of course, you can always call the Tooch line. And you can leave a message for us. We would love to hear from you. Leave a review. Just say hi. Maybe tell a fart joke. I... Don't care. We just want to hear from you. And, uh, folks, Cage Watch is still full effect going on. We had a bye week. We had a bye week last week, but, uh, we are over 50 movies at this point, And my God, are we scraping the barrel. But you're, but you're still going but strong. That's what's we're important. We're still, still going strong. So you can follow me and Cage Watch at just real feels, G I U S T, real feels. So you guys uh, join me in the madness. 
and maybe in puzzled when we watch other movies that Nicolas Cage isn't in. It's almost inspired me to do a Keanu Reeves rundown. Ooh. Please do so. And but like I don't know. I'm I'm just in awe. And I really don't get on Twitter that much, but I will hop on and I will take a gander at your latest uh, <laughs> Netflix, uh, your Cage Watch. Oh, no, uh, no. It's great. I mean, at this point, we're renting the movies. And, uh, <laughs> like, I will spend, like, three ninety nine uh, on a rental. And then we look and it's got a 0% uh, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and Anna's just like, you spent money on this. I'm like, God, no. Uh, you know, Nick Cage gets an email every time that happens. Like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Someone's doing a Cage watch. So, <laughs> so out of the movies that he did in 2018, I am 90% certain that Multiple. he grew like a big bushy beard. And then each progressive movie role, he just pared it down and down and down until it was just like a mustache at the end. It is. That's beautiful. You got your Cage watch. Twitter poll decided that I would continue my next franchise with Terminator. So I'm working my way through that. Uh, once that's over, I don't know. We'll we'll see what's up. I still got a giant list. I might go back to horror. I might do something new. Sounds we'll like see. Cage Watch after uh, T2 there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All do my downhill. own Cage Watch? Oh, my God. Please just let me know how Genesis goes. That, that is <laughs> the, the scraping of the barrel right there. Uh, I remember Genesis. It was okay. It's spelled with an S Y S. Why? Why is that? <laughs> oh, well, gosh. ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for tuning in to our wonderful, wonderful war. Uh, in two weeks' time, we will have medical. Medical by Drew. I'll give you a medical genre movie. And then after that, I think we're going to be going back over to Jack. Black and white. Black and white film. I I like both of your guys' choices. Um, Even though Jack, I'll be honest, I've never seen it. But I looked up some of the stuff for it. But you have. But Nathan, you have. You just don't know it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I do look forward to it. And Drew. Yours is going to be stellar. So, from all of us at The Real Feels, you are the realest. And the feelest. Powder is soaking wet. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> I'm the long hair beater. My death is a great honor to your people. Did you tell him? <laughs> With my compliments. <laughs>